Have you ever been unsure about what you believe? Do you ever doubt whether the things that you have been taught from the Bible is true? Are we even allowed to ask questions like these? Will God be angry if we dare question His word? Well, not at all. Uh, in many ways, the book of Acts is a book for the skeptics, and it is a book for those with questions. And in Acts, we meet a God who answers questions. And as to what these important questions are, we will see it throughout this morning. But I'd like to point out the very first answer that God gives to his people is to consider the acts of Jesus, the acts of Jesus. Now, uh, many of you have editions of the Bible that calls this particular book of the Bible as the acts of the apostles. Uh, My Bible here does that. It has as the, the longer title of this book, which we commonly call Acts, It has as its longer title, The Acts of the Apostles. And of course, we can see the reason why. Because this book, Acts, uh, closely follows the teachings and the deeds of Jesus' apostles in general. And it focuses on apostles Peter and Paul in particular. And so we can readily see why this book is often and commonly called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, It seems to me, however, that there is a better title for this book, and a more accurate title for this book would be not the Acts of the Apostles, but rather the Acts of the Ascended Jesus Christ. And the reason I say that is as follows. Now, I think most of you know that the same author composed the gospel according to Luke and Acts. Luke wrote both the gospel that bears his name and this book, Acts. And the two books were written initially for the benefit of one particular reader. So if we go all the way back to the beginning of Luke's gospel in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, We read Luke saying, It seemed good to me, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Apparently, Theophilus was a man of note of of stature, according to the way that Luke addresses him, most excellent Theophilus. And apparently he was also a convert to the Christian faith, but he was not very well instructed in the fundamentals of his faith, and he struggled with doubt. Now, by the way, let me say this at this point, that very, very few people actually have all their theology and questions worked out when they become Christians. Uh, God does not require that. The only thing that God requires is that we come to a true sense of His holiness 
that we understand something about His law which makes demands on us and how we fail to meet God's standards. And as a result, God's holy and righteous judgment awaits us. But that God in grace has sent His Son to die in our place and that we by faith receive His righteousness. And because of what Jesus has done in His death and resurrection, we are forgiven, declared righteous, and kept for eternal life. That's all we need to know. God doesn't demand that we, we have all our doctrines worked out when we become Christians. And so it is very common that many new converts, many new Christians have questions to which they don't know the answers to. And because they have not been well instructed yet, uh, they have uncertainties. They feel uncertain about what they believe, and they have struggles with doubt. And so we need to understand that doubting is not always wrong. Doubting even can be healthy if we remember the purpose of doubting is to find the answer, not to make a virtue out of doubting. And so Luke addresses this man, this convert, uh, most excellent Theophilus, he's struggling with uh, the things that he knows and things he does not know. And he presents to him an orderly account of Jesus' deed and word to bring certainty to him, to, to strengthen his uh, newly formed faith. So that's how Luke's gospel begins. And if you notice, the book of Acts it begins with Luke again addressing Theophilus, and he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, of course, by first book, he means the gospel, according to Luke. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. That is to say, Luke's instruction to Theophilus has two parts. Part one is what we know as the gospel according to Luke. And that gospel according to Luke is an orderly account of everything that Jesus did and taught up until he ascended into heaven. And then part two is the book of Acts. And the book of Acts concerns all that the ascended Jesus is doing, seated at God's right hand. You see, Jesus, he is always the central figure, and Jesus is the reason for everything. Jesus created the world that he may be the Lord over all. Jesus saved sinners to make them his bride, and Jesus will return to establish his kingdom forever. History has one purpose. History has one main character. And it's not you. And it's not me. We are not the main characters. We are the supporting actors. Because Jesus is the central figure. All of history, all of scriptures, including the book of Acts, is about Jesus. So that's the first thing we see 
in this passage, the acts of Jesus. Luke's two-part instruction to Theophilus, the gospel, an orderly account of all that Jesus said and taught up until the moment of his ascension, and acts what the ascended Jesus is doing, seated at God's right hand. And the next thing Luke focuses on is on the certainty of resurrection, the certainty of resurrection. Because after that two-verse introduction to Theophilus in in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 5 is what Jesus did in between his resurrection on the one hand and his ascension on the other hand. So we read, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Aren't you curious just exactly what Jesus taught his disciples during the 40 days in between his resurrection and his ascension? Well, actually, we know exactly what he taught them. Notice how Luke puts puts it like this. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And if you remember, that is exactly how the Gospels characterize the teaching ministry of Jesus Christ. So if you remember Luke chapter 8 verse 1, we read how Jesus went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. That is to say... Jesus' pre-resurrection teaching is exactly the same as his post-resurrection teachings. They're one and the same. The resurrected Jesus does not teach his disciples, well, never mind everything that I've said, here's something new for you. No, there is nothing new. Because while Jesus was on earth during his personal ministry, all the way to the moment he he ascended, he proclaimed the kingdom of God. And that same risen Lord, in the 40 days in between his resurrection and ascension, proclaimed the kingdom of God. And that, of course, makes sense, doesn't it? Because... There was nothing deficient or lacking about Jesus' teachings before his death. The problem was never with Jesus' teachings. The problem was always the inability of his disciples to understand what Jesus was teaching. But that the risen Lord now teaches them the same thing, and he soon, the risen and ascended Jesus, will send his Holy Spirit who will bring to his apostles and the disciples the right understanding of all that Jesus has taught them. And all this is to just to recognize the fact that during the 40 days, we know exactly what Jesus taught them because he's been doing it all along for more than three years, proclaiming the kingdom of God. But in this passage, Luke's emphasis is not on what he taught because he's written a whole gospel to tell us what he taught them. But here Luke's emphasis is on what Jesus did 
during the 40 days that he could not do until he died and was resurrected. So Luke tells us, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. And of course, Jesus could not do this before he was crucified, died, and buried, and was raised from the dead. So during the 40 days, Jesus showed himself alive, risen from the dead, by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days. And if you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says that Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. You see, both the book of Acts and and all of the New Testament scriptures were written and they were circulated while the eyewitnesses were still alive. The people who had witnessed Jesus' execution, his death, his burial, and also people who had witnessed his resurrection from the dead. And that is so important for us to remember because, you know, if you study the religions of the world, so often what they offer their followers uh, are universal truths for all ages. You know what that means, actually? Universal truths for all ages? That means generalized platitudes and notions that are not tied to any specific historical reality. That's what actually what it means when people say our religion offers universal truths for all ages. Platitudes, simple notions that does not depend on one historical event. And we, when we think about cults, what they deal with are the secret revelations given only to the select few, usually the founder. And the giving of the secret revelation was witnessed by no one. You're just supposed to take the word that it happened. But you notice that Jesus' resurrection, as well as his death, there were public events witnessed by the crowd. And so the, the faith of the Christian faith, we don't offer people some generalized, vague, cheap notions that have no tie to reality. But what we proclaim are truths that are tied to specific moments and events in history. Jesus died. His death was witnessed. Jesus rose, and his resurrection was also a specific and public historical event witnessed by over 500 people. And we even know some of their names. We don't even need to mention the 12 apostles because in Luke chapter 24, we got the actual names of the witnesses, Mary, Joanna, Cleopas. In John chapter 20, Thomas. 
We know their names. And so what's really important for us to remember is that the truthfulness of historical events do not change with the passing of time. If it happened, it happened, no matter how much time has passed since then. Well, let me put it to you this way. You know, none of us were there in 1215 when Magna Carta was signed. And none of us were there in 1776 when United States declared independence. No audio or video recordings of these events exist. But no one goes around and, and says, I will not believe it because I've not seen it with my eyes. Because when we judge the truthfulness of historical events, we judge them on the basis of eyewitness account. And we ask, how reliable are these witnesses? And we know that these events happened. We know that in 1215, the Magna Carta was signed. How do we know? We have documents that we even know the names of some of the witnesses. And we know, don't we, that in the year 1776, the United States declared independence. How do we know? Were you there? We were not. But we have what came from that. We have eyewitness accounts. We have documents. And we even know some of the names of the people that were involved. Similarly, Jesus' resurrection was witnessed by more than 500 people. We know some of their names, and many of whom went on to seal their testimony with their lives rather than deny that Jesus rose from the dead. And the question to ask is this, isn't it? No one dies for a lie knowing that it is a lie. If these more than 500 people, if they did not see Jesus executed, murdered, and if they did not witness with their own eyes how this dead corpse became a living being, if Jesus did not actually rise from the dead, then they would know that the claims of Christianity were false. And why then would they give up everything in their lives even? You see, there was no turning them back that Jesus rose from the dead because they saw it. When we assess the truthfulness of the events recorded in the Bible, all we ask is that we use the same standard with which we assess any other historical event. And in fact, the events recorded concerning Jesus' death and resurrection are some of the most well-documented events of ancient history. All this to say, this is part, and, uh, part of the reason why Luke is writing to Theophilus. For 40 days, Jesus showed himself alive. We know their names. We know the people. And if you're so inclined, you can track them down. Ask them. We're not talking about some vague, generalized notions 
some universal truth. Rather, we are talking about that one specific Lord's Day morning. Jesus rose from the dead, and you can talk to witnesses. And so we need to gain certainty about Jesus' resurrection. And that brings us uh, to the new beginning, new beginning. And here already we are being shown what it means to follow Christ. You know, it's the very uh, modus operandi of cults that forbid thinking and questioning. And the reason they forbid you from thinking and questioning what they teach is that what they teach is simply not reasonable. <laughs> it cannot stand up to the scrutiny of rational thinking. But for Christians, questioning faith is allowed. It is even encouraged so long as we remember the purpose of questioning is to arrive at an answer and not to make questioning itself the goal. You know, there is a difference. There are different kinds of doubting. There is, there is doubting that is seeking for an answer and certainty, and there is a doubting that has itself become a virtue and a goal. They're not the same things. We should be thinking. We should be questioning. We should be striving to find certainty and answers. And when that is our goal, it is not wrong for Christians to wonder about what they believe. Is it, do I actually understand what I believe? Have I been taught accurately? And the simple question here is, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? Did Jesus rise from the dead or not? Are these reliable witnesses or not? And in many ways, the book of Acts is answering those two key questions. Did Jesus rise? Are these reliable witnesses? Because if the testimony of these witnesses are not trustworthy, then Jesus did not rise from the dead. If so, there is no point to Christianity. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, that means that he reigns supreme over death. And what that means is if we die in unbelief, if we have made a virtue out of doubting but never bother finding certainty, even death will not keep us from his judgment because Jesus who reigns supreme over death, he will raise to life the disobedient and the unbelieving from death for eternal judgment. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, then all that the scriptures teach us about the meaning of his resurrection, you know, Jesus, God raised his son from the dead, and it was his public declaration that my son, contrary to the charges levied against him, 
he is not guilty, he does not deserve that. But in raising his son, God made a declaration that my son is righteous, he is innocent, he has earned life. And if we are by faith united to that Jesus, the significance of Jesus' resurrection is that God is declaring to you, you who are in Jesus Christ, that you also are innocent and righteous, that you will rise to life. That's what it means if Jesus actually did rise from the dead. And if Jesus did actually rise from the dead, then it also means the world cannot bully us. Because that's what the world is doing right now. So what if, like the early Christians, we are called upon to seal our faith in Christ with everything we have and even with our lives? What then? Even then, the world cannot bully us because Jesus, the Lord who reigns supreme over that, He will raise us to glory and eternal life. And you said that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that we have become a part of the resurrection community, declared forgiven righteous, preserved for glory. Let the world do its worst. Jesus is mightier. That's what it means to be the followers of Christ. And the risen Jesus, Luke tells us, Order them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And the rest of Acts show us how the ascended Jesus works through his spirit and through his apostles to create a new community and with a new mission. All that is to say, this is just an introduction to what follows. But we summarize and we end with this. Questions are inevitable for thinking people. We should never discourage new believers from asking questions, and we should never discourage our young people from asking questions. And we should never feel ashamed to ask questions so that we may find the answer. And it may be that perhaps some of you have been wondering what it is that you really believe. Maybe you have been questioning yourself. You know, there are so many conflicting teachings about the Bible. Have I been taught the right things? Or maybe you're wondering or questioning the reason you live. Why are you alive? Why do you live? Why do you do anything that you do? Or these important questions, 
Jesus, who died and rose and ascended, answers these questions. And so, loved ones, let me exhort you and encourage you this morning. Delve into Jesus' works and words. That was the way for Theophilus to gain certainty. That was the way for Theophilus to find understanding. That was the way for Theophilus to find stability. And that's the way for us too. Delve into his works, delve into the words of Jesus, and there you will find your answers in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's pray together. Gracious God and Father, we thank you that you have given us your scriptures and you have adorned your holy word with faithful men and women who added their voices of amen to your word. Help us, O Lord, in our search for depth in our understanding, in our search for clarity. Help us to learn faithfully and well from your word and help us to consider carefully how you have worked throughout history that we too might gain insight and understanding. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.